Open your Bibles, please, to Psalm 34. How can I get real happiness? The Bible hasn't left us ignorant. God is going to tell you and me. Psalm 34 is a wonderful psalm in its own right. It's why we try to gear our services the way we do. Because the first three verses tell us that when we make our boast in the Lord, the humble hear thereof and are glad. It's contagious. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Verses one through three of this psalm. It's a wonderful psalm. Many things in it. I know that some of you enjoy it for various reasons, but let's come to verse 12. What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days that he may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The question in verse 12 is, Is there a man that wants to have a long, happy, good life? If that be the case, the answer is in verses 13 and 14, and there are three categories of things you need to do to have a long, happy, good life. One, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking guile. If you're a hypocrite with your lips, or if you deceive or lie with your mouth, or if you do anything with words that are wrong in the sight of God, forget it. You can't have it. He'll destroy you for your words. And then when you stand before Him, we shall give an account of every idle word. Matthew 12, 34 tells us that. The second category is in the first half of verse 14. Depart from evil and do good. Wherever you're playing with sin in your life, get away from it. And do good. Stop doing bad and start doing good. Stop doing what is wrong and do what is right. That is a necessary condition for you to have a good, long, happy life. It says so. Third category, be a peacemaker. Seek peace and pursue it. Seek peace and pursue it with your spouse. Seek peace and pursue it with your children. Seek peace and pursue it with your brothers and sisters. Be a peacemaker and a peace lover. Three categories. If you are using your mouth for anything evil, if there's any guile in it, if there's any deception or hypocrisy, you cannot be happy. God won't let you succeed. Two, if you're playing with sin and playing with anything bad in your life, you will not succeed. You're going to be a dried up child of God if you're one of His. And then if you're not a peacemaker, if you make it difficult For relationships in your life, if you make it difficult for your spouse, if you make it difficult for your children to approach you, it's over for you. You cannot be happy and have the good life. The good life that is described here is based on conditions that God sees and God honors. Before these three verses, David said, come here, my children, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Because this is the fear of the Lord. Watching your mouth, watching your actions, and being a peace lover. And making peace in your relationships. If you have a stunted relationship with your spouse, 
and to the degree it is stunted from your side, it's all your fault. You will never get anywhere in the way of happiness in God's good life. This is the word of the Lord. This is the fear of the Lord. Come here, my children. I can teach you these things. My children, how many of you want to have a good life? Here's how you can have it. Watch what you say. Watch what you do. And make peace in your relationships. Verse 15 tells us how this all comes about. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and His ears are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. God doesn't even want them remembered once they're cast into the cemetery and find themselves in the lowest parts of the earth and foxes make their meal from them, as we read earlier in Psalm 63. Notice the context that we have here. The fear of the Lord can be taught. This teaching can lead a person to the good life. Mouth, actions, peace in relationship. Let me say mouth, actions, relationships. If you are difficult in any one of those three areas, if you're playing sin, playing with sin in those areas, God will not let you have the good life. You don't deserve it anyway. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, upon those that speak right things, do right things, and make peace. His ears are open unto their cry. He hears their prayers. He sees their needs. He helps them. His eyes are open. He smiles upon them. His countenance gives them favor. If you don't do that, then his face, his ears and his eyes, his face is against them that do evil. To cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. Bad things happen in their lives because they play with sin. This is the word of the Lord. It's not mine. It's the word of the Lord. It's truer than anything you know in your life. This passage was important enough that I would like you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 3 with me. 1 Peter chapter 3. That was Psalm 34. Peace is such a wonderful thing. To have peace. To be at peace with everyone is so precious. You can make it and God can bless it. God's called us to it. He's made peace with Himself through the blood of His cross. He's forgiven you more than you'll ever forgive everyone else combined. We should be able to forgive the hundred pence Our brother has cost us when the Lord has forgiven us the 10,000 talents we've cost him. This is the simple language and religion of the Bible. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10. 1 Peter 3.10 For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil. And do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. You've heard those words before, haven't you? That's Psalm 34, quoted again. If it's good enough for the Holy Spirit to put it twice in your Bibles, once in each testament, it's good enough for me to repeat it to you. Because it must be that important. For he that will love life. Do you want to love life and be happy and glad? Here's the solution. Right here, the same three things. May the Lord bless us toward that end. You want to have a blessed life, a happy life, that it may go well with thee, then honor your parents. Love your parents. This is way beyond obeying your parents. Obeying your parents is a commandment. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. It's just a basic, fundamental axiom of human existence that you ought to obey your parents. And those that don't obey their parents, 
Where is the God of Elisha? That is my prayer. I love the story of two she-bears ripping up 42 children. It blesses my heart. It puts a smile on my face and joy in my heart and a bounce in my step. If I'd have seen a little bit more of that and heard a little bit more of that, maybe I'd have been a better child myself. Where is the God of Elisha? That question doesn't mean I don't know where he is. That question doesn't mean I don't know when he's coming. Because he is going to come. That question is the same question as Elisha asked about Elijah. Where is the God of Elijah? He wanted God to show him that he was still there with him like he had been with Elijah. And I want the Lord to show our rebellious children that the God of the Bible is still the same today as he's always been. And I know it for a certain fact. He's just merciful and he's long-suffering. So he puts up with it for a little while until their sin be found to be hateful. And he does the same thing with adults. When the Bible, the Bible says, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Then it says, honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise. When you start down through the Ten Commandments, you're told that thou shalt worship no other God. Thou shalt have no graven images. And you work down through those commandments, and the first one you come to that has a promise attached is honoring parents. Honor thy father and thy mother, that it may go well with thee. And thou mayest live long on the earth. A long life and a good life. Thank you, Lord. It's that easy? I don't have to eat my spinach? If your parents tell you to, you have to because children obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. If you don't like spinach when you get married, you don't have to eat spinach. But you know, it's not GNC, and it's not vitamins, and it's not nutrition, and it's not doctors, and it's not alternative medicine, and it's not all those things. The Bible doesn't say anything about that. The Bible doesn't really care what you eat as long as you eat in moderation. You're not a glutton. You're not a drunkard. The Bible tells you how to have a long life and a good life, and it's to honor your parents. A good life. That means you're happy. You're satisfied. You're pleased. You enjoy life because you obey the the Word of God in a matter as simple as that. Look at Proverbs 23 on this subject. Proverbs chapter 23. I got the best birthday card and the best birthday gift from my parents this year that I've ever received. They waited until I was 52 for the best one. Now, Dad, I didn't mean it that way. I never saw it clearly that way, but it was always there. I want, to the best of my ability, to honor my father and my mother. And that doesn't mean obey them. I'm way beyond that. I'll obey whatever he tells me to do. (laughs) Come on. Anybody. I mean, obedience is this level. Honoring your parents is way up here. Way above it. That's doing what you can to treat them special way beyond bare obedience. It's It's respecting them and honoring them and doing nice things for them and treating them like they're something special. And I'm trying to do that. And my father has asked me at times, what, son, you don't have to do this. I want to. I'm going to, unless you tell me I can't. Well, what can we do for it? What can we do for you? If you can find one minute with you and mom, one minute to pray God's blessing upon Sherry and me, I will be more than rewarded 
if that prayer comes from you and my mother and that your son is trying to honor you. So, for my birthday this year, an email popped into my inbox, and it was my father's, verbal, my father's verbalized prayer, written down in words, Amen. to God for his son, Jonathan. And that's as good as it gets. Amen. I didn't mean to embarrass you by telling this in public, but I want to honor you and mom. I'll never, I'll never be able to make up for the pain I caused. And I know you've told me you forgave me 30 years ago, but it doesn't, it doesn't help me a bit, even though it's very kind and gracious. Honor thy father and thy mother. Proverbs 23, 15, My son, if thine heart be wise, my heart shall rejoice, even mine. Yea, my reins shall rejoice. When thy lips speak right things. Verse 24, same chapter. The father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice, and he that begetteth the wise child shall have joy of him. Thy father and thy mother shall be glad, and she that bear thee shall rejoice. Children, are you bringing joy and gladness to your parents? Are you obeying them so thoroughly and so zealously that they rejoice? Do you open up and talk to them? Do you tell them your fears, your hopes? Do you tell them your problems? Do you answer their questions? Do you honor them? Do you treat them special? Do you tell them you love them? Do you do special things for them? The reason I'm saying all this without preaching on honoring parents is, do you want to have real happiness? Then honor the two people that God picked from all the inhabitants of the earth to be your parents. And He will bless you because He said so. It's the first commandment with promise. It's not the last one. It's the first one. Chapter 15. How can I be happy? I want to be happy. Proverbs chapter 15. Keep your heart with all diligence. That thinking thing inside you, keep it with all diligence. Do not let it think about foolishness. Do not let it think about worldliness. Do not let it think about sin. Do not let it think outside the constraints of God's Word. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. If you want to have a blessed life, good life, happy life, pleasant life, prosperous life, keep your heart with all diligence. Do not fantasize about anything contrary to the Word of God. Do not allow it. Hate it. Crush it. Keep your heart with all diligence because... Verse 13 of chapter 15 tells us something you've heard many times before from me. A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart the spirit is broken. Keep your heart with all diligence. Don't let it slide down. Don't let it get moody. Don't let it get broken. Don't let it get grieved. Lift it up in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Keep it with all diligence. Don't you dare play with sin. The brother prayed something that has to be said before we quit. In a little while. If the Holy Spirit of God is the source of joy, if it's the power of the Holy Spirit that gives us peace, if it's the power of the Holy Spirit that can cause us to abound in hope, what happens when you play with sin? You quench the fiery power of the Holy Ghost. Not because He's not more powerful than you, but because He will not play your sinful games. He's Holy Spirit. Yes, right. The Holy Spirit. 
He will not play with unholy parties. He will not play with unholy persons. He will not work in unholy souls. So you quench the fiery power of the Holy Spirit. Where does it say that in the Bible? What testament? New. We're making, okay. There's one in Ephesians to quench. But, I mean, to grieve. Quench not the Holy Spirit is 1 Thessalonians 5.19. Grieve not the Holy Spirit is Ephesians chapter 4, around verse 30. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. You grieve the Holy Spirit. Disappoint, upset the Holy Spirit. Do you know what Isaiah 63 and verse 6 says? He can turn to become your enemy. The Holy Spirit of God turned to become the enemy of the people of God. Forget the Philistines. The Holy Spirit never wasted any time with the Philistines. We're talking what the people of God called the Israelites. The Holy Spirit turned to be their enemy. Instead of, instead of using that fiery power, the power of the Holy Ghost to give you joy, peace, and abounding hope in believing, it can give you misery, pain, suffering, and discontentedness. God was able to give quail to the Israelites, but send leanness into their souls. God can let you get away with something and just eat you up. You're so unhappy and miserable. There's only one thing to do. It's to run to God and confess your sins and playing with sin and beg for a restoration of that relationship with Him. And He'll restore the bones that He's broken and restore the joy of your salvation. Psalm 51 proves it. David got it back. David sinned horribly, but David got it back. And David prayed for it and David begged for it. Look at verse 15 here. All the days of the afflicted are evil. But he that is of a merry heart hath a continual feast. How can I have a continual feast in life? Have a merry heart. How can I have a merry heart? Keep thy heart with all diligence. Delight in the Lord. Confess your sins. Walk with Him. Love your parents. Do what is right. Seek peace and ensue it. Keep your lips from speaking guile. It all works out. You can have a continual feast. This is the word of the Lord. That merry heart's a wonderful thing. Look at chapter 17. You know, they're trying to figure this out in modern medicine, but they're so far behind. You can't blame them. They're ignorant. Proverbs 17 and verse 22, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. You know, all they've basically done is accomplish a name for this kind of sickness. It's called psychosomatic illnesses, meaning your inside, your emotions, cause your body to have problems. And here it is in the Word of God. I know it's only 3,000 years old. And they're just getting around to it, but they can't figure it out. You know, they come up with things, and you'll see a little article in Prevention, that those people that have a dog live an extra three months. Or people that laugh a lot live an extra 12 days. And they come up with all this stuff. But you know what the Bible says? A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bone. Well, how do we get that merry heart? Keep thy heart with all diligence. Don't fantasize about sin. Don't think about sin. Don't think about anything. Put the Lord first in your heart. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. Keep thy heart with all diligence. It's deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. It wants to run away every single day. You've got to handcuff it by the Word of God, by good Christian music, by good Christian friends, and by discipline. Every heart in here is the same. As face answereth the face in water, I can see my reflection. So the heart of man to man. It wants to run away. The more effort you put into it and the more power of the Holy Spirit with you, the easier it will be to keep it. If you're in the flesh right now, the very thought of what I'm talking about sounds impossible. 
If you're in the Spirit right now, you're saying it's so easy if everybody would just do it. Because that's the power of the Holy Spirit that gives you the leverage and the advantage. When you're in the flesh, it looks impossible. But when you're in the Spirit, there's no other way. 18.14 The Spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit, who can bear? Oh, a wounded spirit. Oh, my life is so hard. Forget it. You don't even know what you're talking about. And the reason it's hard, and the reason you're having trouble, is your fault. Your fault. Because it's the spirit of a man that can sustain him in an infirmity. Job had more infirmities than you can even write, imagine, or think about. Yours are so small compared to his. And this poor party over here on the table that we just spoke about has a serious one affecting them. But the spirit of a man is able to sustain him. Job fell down and worshipped God. Naked came I out of my mother's womb. Naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave. The Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Why can't you say that for your little tiny problems? Job had everything taken away from him. All of his children. All of his assets. All of his health. How did he do that? He had a heart that was found in the rock. He had a relationship with God. And he, he, he fell back to the foundation bedrock that we all must fall back to. What the Bible says. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. And in all cases, blessed be the name of the Lord. I arrived here naked and didn't have anything. And I'm going out naked without taking anything. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Everything I had He gave me. It was on loan from Him. He can take it whenever He chooses to. But blessed be the name of the Lord. I will not let this defeat me. The devil is trying to discourage me and destroy me. I will stand and worship the God of heaven. And he got twice in the end what he lost. It's a choice. Happiness is a choice. For you to believe God, obey God, and be thankful for all He's done. It takes a little bit of effort. But not much. Because the Holy Spirit will help you as soon as you start trying. Look at Hebrews 13. How can I get this real happiness? Real happiness, it's based on contentment, not circumstances. It wouldn't matter what circumstances God gave you. If you're not content, you wouldn't be happy. What does the Bible say about the man who loves silver? The man who loves silver shall not be satisfied with silver. It wouldn't matter. In just a couple of minutes after counting it up and realizing where he's at, he'd want more. Hebrews 13, this is how you get the good life. This is how you can find real happiness. Verse 5, we've been over this before. This is nothing new, but we need to be reminded of it. Do you know why? Because your heart tries to escape every five minutes. So we come back every week into the house of God, to the sanctuary, to be reminded of the truth. Nothing out there is going to remind you of the truth. Hebrews 13, 5, let your conversation, that is your lifestyle... Let your lifestyle be without covetousness. Don't want anything you don't have. Don't let it affect you, grieve you, or trouble you. Let your lifestyle be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That's the basis of contentment. God's with us. It's that relationship where we walk with God that fulfills us. I've got the Lord. I'll tell you what Mr. Bach is saying if he's surviving this morning. I have the Lord. 
I have the Lord. Job had the Lord. When David's life fell apart around him, you've never come close. You don't have any problems. There's no one in here with a problem. David had problems. He encouraged himself in the Lord. Because that's where his strength for a happy and good life came from. He, he knew this. He knew that the Lord would never forsake him. And though all of his friends were standing around him and they were so grieved at the loss of all their... This is 1 Samuel 30, verses 1 through 8. They were so grieved over having lost their wives, children, and stuff that they wanted to stone David. David encouraged himself in the Lord because he knew the Lord would never forsake him. And you have Psalms written of how David would encourage himself in the Lord. It's godliness with contentment is great gain. If you don't submit yourself to that little rule, you're to destroy yourself. And we'll mock you and laugh at you while you do it. Because you have been taught by the Word of God how to have a successful life. Godliness with contentment is great gain. That is how to have a successful life. That is happiness. Great gain. Listen, when we have great gain, we get excited. We get thankful. We get happy. We get glad. We're joyful. We rejoice. We enjoy great gain. How do you get great gain? Godliness plus contentment. Doing what is right. Isn't that what what David and Peter both said? Watch your tongue. Eschew evil and do what is good and make peace. That's godliness. Plus contentment, what we have right here. The Lord's enough. I'm content with what God has given me. I'm content with my spouse. I'm content with my family. I'm content with my house. I'm content with my car. I'm content with my job. I'm content with my health. I'm content with my body. I'm content with my intelligence. I'm content with my church. I'm content with my nation. I'm content. Godliness plus contentment is happiness. To the degree you wish that what you had was different is that degree that you're going to be miserable. You'll have no gain in your life. And it's so easy to watch. In an assembly, those who aren't content with their lives. And all of you are able to do it as well, that are spiritually trained and have an eye of faith. That can see the difference. The Bible is a spiritual book. If you don't feed yourself with the Word of God, then you are not providing food for your soul to be happy. If you're a child of God, you have to have the words of God to live on. Psalm 119 and verse 162 puts it this way. I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. Now, how can you rejoice as one that finds great spoil unless once in a while you get in the Bible? You get in the Bible and you read it, I rejoice. Why? Because I'm... And if you'll read the Bible with a prayerful attitude of a desire to meet God in the pages of Scripture, you'll rejoice. You can just, you know, you've heard somebody say the Psalms. If you were listening today when you heard that Thanksgiving from Brother Matthew about the value and the benefit of the Psalms, and you don't really know what he's talking about, then go home, get off by yourself, and open the Bible up, and say, Lord, let my eyes behold wondrous things out of thy law, and show me thyself, and let me rejoice as one that findeth great spoil, like Brother Matthew was talking about. And then open the Bible up to the Psalms, and read one slowly and carefully. I, don't have to, I won't have to say any more. But now, if you just flip it open and say, oh, I've read it and I didn't get anything out of that. Yes, you will. 
There's something that you're something there's something that you're going to get out of that. And I look forward to the day. He's going to tear you to shreds. You little scorner. He'll tear you to shreds for mocking his word that way. You didn't approach it the way that it deserves to be approached. You can't flip open the Bible like it's a candy machine. You got to open up like it's the precious word of God and humble yourself before the God that wrote it and confess your sins and pray for God to show you something precious from it. And he will. He will not forsake you when you magnify his word. He loves his word. He's exalted his word above all his name. You want happiness? Then work on your relationships because God tells you to. All your relationships. With your parents, in your marriage, with your children, with your brethren. Wherever you have a relationship problem, get it right. And it takes about one second to get it right because it's to forgive another person and to choose to love them. And even if it's an enemy, forgive them and choose to love them. You don't want to work on your relationships? Then don't complain to me about your lacking in happiness and your lacking in God's success and prosperity in your life. The Bible tells you to love your enemies because that's the only way you can be like God. Just loving your friends is nothing. It proves nothing in comparison to loving your enemies. God sends His sunshine on those who blaspheme Him and curse Him to His face. He sends sunshine on them and rain. And and for us to be His children, we have to do that. We have to do good to those that despise us and despitefully use us. Work on your relationships. Listen, how can you be happy when there's, when, when in one of your relationships there's, there's a, there's a wall, there's a chasm, there's grief, there's bitterness, there's envy, there's strife, there's contention. If you'll get it right, you'll have the natural consequences of improving a relationship and you'll have the spiritual consequences of the Lord blessing you. Because the Lord loves it when we get our relationships right. John the Baptist dropped onto this scene in 30 A.D., 26 A.D., and his message was to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers to prepare a people for the Lord. If you're not right with your wife, if you're not right with your husband, which is more important than being right with your wife, the Lord will not hear your prayers. His eyes are closed. His ears are stopped up. Relationships. I want that real happiness that God gives. You want another reason? Look at chapter, since you're close to the book of Proverbs, look at Proverbs 14. This, this is so therapeutic. I want to tell you how long it's been since the Lord taught me this lesson. Yesterday. Yesterday. I got punched by a circumstance. Oh, woe is me. Woe is me. In the midst of my woe, someone else needed some help. I went and gave it to them, asking the Lord to forgive me for my hypocrisy, for saying woe is me while I'm on the way to help someone else and telling them there's no woe. And by the time I was done, I thanked the Lord. I said, I know what I'm preaching on Sunday, and I know that you know what I'm preaching on Sunday. Thank you for the reminder right now. Because it is so good. Get outside yourself. Go do something for someone else. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Acts chapter 20 and verse 35. The reason you're unhappy is because you're selfish. 
And no, we're never going to measure up because we can't love you as much as you love yourself. We just can't do it. And, and, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you the truth. You don't deserve it. I mean, when I say, you know, when I say that, I mean all of us, right? We, we all understand that. You love yourself too much. I love myself too much. So we're never going to measure up to how much you love yourself. I'm sorry. We're never going to treat you the way that you think you ought to be treated because you think too highly of yourself. You're just flat out not that important. So it's a miserable life. See, do you know how you cure that? Go do something for someone else and God will bless it. In Acts chapter 20, verse 35, there are red letters in the middle of the black book of Acts. For the Lord Jesus Christ said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Look at how Proverbs 14, 21 puts it. He that despiseth his neighbor sinneth. But he that hath mercy on the poor, what does it say? Happy is he. You want to find happiness? Find someone you can have mercy on and you can serve them. If you despise your neighbor, your neighbor could be your spouse, it could be a child, it could be a literal neighbor, it could be a brother or sister in the church, it could be a parent. He that despises his neighbor sinneth. That's going to give you trouble. That's violating the rules we have for finding real happiness. But if you'll have mercy on someone that's under your thumb that you can forgive, forgive them. Happy is that person. That is the best therapeutic action. Isn't it, wife? Our, our little secrets that I'd like to make public. Woe is me. And I had one witness in the world. I love the Lord. I love the Lord. I got taught this yesterday. Again, I've, I've been taught it a few times, and he'll, I'm, I'm sure he'll have to teach me a few more times. But you know what? To get outside yourself and go do something, all of a sudden you forget that you ever had a problem. The Lord, the Lord fills you with a sense of peace and satisfaction and good that just blows the other away. Now, when you're in the flesh and you're sitting there feeling sorry for yourself and you, you either think or someone, either think of it or someone tells you there's someone else that has a need, oh, come on. You know, in the flesh, you don't want to go help. But you know what? If you'll say, God, God wants me to have mercy on them and to go serve them, I'm going to get up and go do something for them. By the time you're done, you're going to be all better. Two people got better. That's win-win. Some of you that don't do anything for anyone, Sherry just said, three people got better and she meant my wife. <laughs> so, the Lord's forgiven me, does forgive me, and shall yet forgive me. Amen. He is so merciful and good and I love his lessons. I'm so sorry that my wife had to see one of those lessons when I was in school with my father yesterday. He that hath mercy on the poor, happy is he. What in the world? The poor should be happy because someone had mercy on them. Here's a poor man. A man comes along and gives the poor man some money so that the poor man can go buy something he needs. I would think the poor man would be, no. The one that hath mercy on the poor man, happy is he. Because it's more blessed to give than to receive. God the Holy Spirit will reward the man that's a servant. Jesus Christ said, I came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. And the greatest in the kingdom of heaven are those that love to serve others. That's where you'll get happiness. You want happiness? It's in the Bible. 
You lose your life for his sake, he'll help you find it. Wisdom. Do you know how much wisdom is in the book of Proverbs that can save you from trouble? Every time we run into a hedge of thorns, we get pricked and tore and we bleed and it rips our clothes. But do you know why we run into a hedge of thorns? Because we haven't learned the book of Proverbs. Because the book of Proverbs is wisdom. And the Bible tells us that in wisdom there is deliverance and happiness. Proverbs chapter 12, I mean Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, look at verse 13. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding. How is that man happy? How is the man happy that finds wisdom and gets understanding? He delights in the pure nature of it. To read the Bible and see God's solutions for human problems is a delight just to read it. Then to do it, you save yourself from falling into the trouble that other people fall into. Then, to get it and to use it, the Lord will bless you supernaturally. I mean, we could just keep on going, but happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding. It saves you from all those troubles and causes pain. It shows us the pitfalls in certain courses of action. It helps us remedy relationships, all in the book of Proverbs. Wisdom. Get it. Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore, get wisdom. Look at 29.18 in this same book. I'm limiting my verses now. We're, we've got to wind this up. There's so much more that could be said. It starts with a relationship with God. It starts with believing Him and believing the Bible. That verse that I gave you, Romans 15.13, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Ghost. In believing is all God asks for to get started. Believe Him. Believe His Word. Walk with Him. Confess your sins. Believe that what He has said is wrong is truly wrong. And confess it. And what He says is right is right. And go pursue it. Seek peace and ensue it and God will bless you. Proverbs 29 and verse 18. Obedience. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. You know, we are not in a situation where we don't have a vision. We don't have visions we, in, in the literal sense of the word, but we have a Bible that has all the visions that were important collected for us. All the inspired visions are right here. Everything God wants us to know is right here, and if you'll keep his word, happy is he. The Bible says that. The Bible says that if you'll manage your Christian liberty the way that you should, Proverbs, I mean, Romans chapter 14 and verse 22, happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth. If you will come to grips with what Christian liberty is, happy is he that condemneth not himself in the thing that he allows. If you do something that your Christian liberty, that your conscience doesn't allow, then you're not going to be very happy because you know you're doing something wrong, even if it's only your conscience that says it's wrong. Music. Music is the language of the soul. If you want to be happy, what kind of music are you listening to? God the Holy Spirit rides with you if you're a child of God wherever you go. When you turn on whatever is in your vehicle, and if you listen to music that is not God-glorifying and God-honoring and Christ-exalting, you're going down. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Because God the Holy Spirit is grieved that you are listening to such garbage. God the Holy Spirit is wondering, I adopted this man. I'm indwelling this man. He has the gospel preached to him. There's so many good things in his life. 
Why is he listening to music or why is she listening to music that was written, produced, and performed by God-hating pagans? And that is listened to by other God-hating pagans and their dysfunctional lives. Why is that happening? Why are the songs of Zion not good enough? Why are, why are spiritual songs and psalms and hymns not good enough? And the, whole, and the Holy Spirit is grieved and quenched. You have no power in your life. That music will never make you happy. What's the average age of a rock musician? Rock and roll musician. What's the average life expectancy? 35. What's the average life expectancy of a rap musician? I shouldn't say that. That's a, that's a contradiction in terms. Because um, rap isn't music. So how can we call it a rap musician? What's the average life expectancy of a rap artist? About 25. You young people, once in a while I send you out that uh, nice little dossier of a couple hundreds that you can figure out the averages for yourself. That music is destructive. It's the devil's music. Music is powerful, but it's music that's played by David. Do you know what kind of lyrics accompany David's music? They're in the book of Psalms. There's 150 of them. David could play the harp for King Saul when an evil spirit would come upon him and the evil spirit would leave and his soul would be refreshed by David's music. That is powerful. I made havoc of my life in the 7th and 8th grades when I started listening to rock and roll music. And my parents knew it, so I snuck around on them. And it destroyed me from the inside out. There's only one kind of music in my life, and there's only been one kind of music for 10 years solid. And it's the songs of Zion, it's the praise of God and the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ and what a difference it makes. Does rock and roll affect my body? Yes, my body moves in about one second after hearing one of those old songs. But that's my body. Do you know what my body is? It's corrupt. Do you know what God's going to do to my body? He's going to breathe against it until it rots and I die and I fall on the ground and worms eat it. And He's going to give me a new one in heaven. And the new one in heaven is only going to move to one kind of music. And it's the music of heaven. And when I look through the music of heaven, they're only singing about one theme. And they're not singing about some truck driver that came and got your mama pregnant with a little monkey that went off to Mars and shot a baboon. And everything else that they do in country western music. You, you, read, through, you read through the book of Revelation, there's some of the songs that are actually listed. You can actually read the lyric, the words, the lyrics of what they're singing in heaven. Music. Is it in your life? What kind of music is in your life? It'll change your life. Pray for it. Look at 85.6 in the book of Psalms. Psalms 85.6. Are you short on real happiness? Then pray for it. I've already referred to Psalm 51 where David said, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. But let's look at a couple of other verses so that you'll know that you can pray for it and get it. Psalm 85, verse 6. Wilt thou not revive us again? That thy people may rejoice in thee? That's a question with a positive answer. Yes, God will do that. God will revive us that we might rejoice in Him. And that's a prayer for it. And we should pray for it. Look at 86 and 4. Rejoice the soul of thy servant. For unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. Here is David lifting up his soul to the Lord to pray for rejoicing to come back. Look at Psalm 106. Psalm 106. Verse 4, Remember me, O Lord. Remember me, O Lord, with the favor that Thou bearest unto Thy people. 
O visit me with thy salvation, that I may see the good of thy chosen, that I may rejoice in the gladness of thy nation, that I may glory with thine inheritance. Here's David asking God to remember him so that he could get caught up again with those people in his nation that were glad and rejoicing in the things of the Lord. This is a prayer. This is what you need to do if you want it back, by praying for it. You want to be around the righteous, because when the righteous make their boast in the Lord, it takes the hearts of the humble and makes them glad. You want to be around righteous friends. If you're not around the true lovers of God and those that fear God and love Christ and love the Scriptures, they're going to tear you down. Evil communications corrupt good manners. You're not going to be full of happiness because you're around unhappiness. You're not going to have real happiness because you're around pretend happiness. So choose your friends very carefully and very selectively. Thankfully, I have few. The few I have love the Lord. They're the only ones I want. Why do you lose it? Because you give place to the devil who's a destroyer. What's his name in Hebrew? Abaddon. What's his name in Greek? Apollyon. What do both names mean? The destroyer. Judas gave in to the temptation of the devil and conspired with the Jews for the Lord Jesus Christ. Where did the devil leave him? With his bowels dashed across the ground in the potter's field. If you quench or grieve the Holy Spirit, you're going to lose it. How do you give place to the devil? By allowing sin in your life and playing with it in any way. You give place to the devil to destroy you. Look what he did to our first parents. The lie was, you can be like God, and it'll make you happy. And so they ate of that fruit, and it ruined an entire family tree of about 90 billion souls, and created a place and a need for an eternal hell. One transgression. Give no place to the devil in your life. Don't play with sin and stay away from the devil's followers. Unconfessed sin. The joy of the hypocrite is short, we can read in the book of Job. Sin's deceitful. It lies. Sin lies. Remember Psalm 36? The transgression of the wicked saith within my heart, there is no fear of God before their eyes. For they flatter themselves in their iniquity until their sin be found to be hateful. It lies. Sin lied to Amnon, and he didn't find out until it was too late that Absalom's going to kill him. Sin lied to Judas, but he didn't find out until it was too late. Then it ruined him. Reuben thought that he could sleep with one of his father's concubines. He thought that he could get away with it. Fifty years later, with his father on his deathbed, and all the boys lined up around that bed, Old Jacob's lying there in that bed, and he says, Reuben. And he tore his son up for what he had done 50 years earlier. His sin was found to be hateful. Joseph, who was a good son, you can see the tears in Jacob's eyes as he blessed Joseph and gave him a double portion for having saved the family alive down in Egypt, for having not been like his brothers. You can't play with sin. It'll tear you up and destroy you from the inside out. The devil will make sure of it, and God will make sure of it unless you repent. Don't set unrealistic goals for yourself. That creates hopelessness by repeated failures because you can't measure up to your own ridiculous goals. That's why the Bible says it's vain for you to rise up early, stay up later, to eat the bread of sorrows. Do you know what he wants you to do? 
go to bed. For he giveth his beloved sleep. That's a life-saving verse that can give you happiness if you learn how to use it. When you get forward, you run into thorns. The way of the forward is a hedge of thorns. The way of transgressors is hard. You want to transgress, everything in your life is going to be hard. You say, but what about trouble? What about when trouble comes? How can I be happy in the face of trouble? Do you mean like being stripped, beaten, and thrown into the innermost prison? I find Paul and Silas singing in such a condition, naked, beaten, bleeding, and in the innermost prison in stocks, with their feet locked in irons. I find them singing and praising God. How about losing your job and facing total economic and financial ruin? Can I still be really happy in such a situation? Although the fig tree have no fruit and there be no herd in the stall and the other six descriptions of economic disaster in Hebrews chapter 3, yet I will joy in the God of my salvation because God is going to deliver me and He will cause me to walk upon mine high places. He will restore me. Proverbs chapter... I mean, that's that's Habakkuk chapter 3 verses 17 through 19. What about when adversity, difficulties, problems come into my life? How can I be happy? My brethren... Count it all joy when ye fall into divers temptations, knowing that the trying of your faith worketh patience. And patience will make you perfect if you let it have its work. There's a reason for it. God's in charge of all events. Nothing's happened outside of His control. Trust Him. Well, what if I lose everything? Then remember Job. What if I don't have strength to go on? Then remember Paul. Who, who the Lord Jesus Christ said, I will give you the strength to overcome your thorn in the flesh. So Paul said, most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities. Because when I am weak, the weaker I am, the stronger God is. Oh, those are great examples in the Bible. God wants us to use our gladness for his praise. In the Bible, I'm not going to turn you to them. There's a number of verses I have from the book of Psalms, Zechariah, and other places. When God puts gladness in our heart, we want to use it to praise him. When you've got that joyful, glad heart because the Lord's done good things for you, then you want to use your mouth to express it back to Him. And all that does is feed that happiness and pleasure more and more. And it pleases God, and He smiles upon you more and more. And you know, brethren, while you're doing that, it's contagious. When you're letting your mouth praise the God of heaven, it's contagious, and it infects other people who are looking for that kind of an infection. And I hope that we are all looking for that kind of an infection that we will be infected with the desire to praise and worship and glorify the God of heaven and rejoice and be glad all the days of our lives and all the things he has done for us. He has loved us. He has given us a Bible for our lives. This Bible will feed your souls. If you'll hate sin and love righteousness, God will fill you by the power of the Holy Spirit with joy and thanksgiving and satisfaction as with marrow and fatness. Let's follow hard after Him. Let's meditate upon Him in the night watches. Let's talk to Him in the night. Let's get our relationships the way they ought to be. Let's honor our parents. Let's seek His face. Let's sing His praises. May the Lord bless the preaching of His Word.